Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Smug. Confident. Secure because you are sane. Do you know what madness is or how it strikes? Have you seen the demon? The surge through the corridors of the crazed mind? Come with me. Into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my world. Let me lead you into it. Okie folks, I'm Frank Bonacci, and I'm the scum of the earth. What? Who is my favorite superhero? I'm glad you asked. So it's 1985. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking the scenic route again. I don't tell you how to be self-indulgent on your shows. So it's 1985, and my favorite superhero is Godzilla. How's that? Okay, so I don't quite grasp the concept of what a superhero is at five. The movie I'm hyper-fixating on at the time is Terror of Mechagodzilla. Godzilla beats up Mechagodzilla and saves the day. Superhero. That's how I see it. Godzilla 1985 comes out. My dad takes me to go see it. Okay, so what I don't know at the time is, is that Godzilla was going through what we now call a soft reboot. Long before Halloween alienated its audience with a guy who just couldn't stop being beat up by teenagers, Big G threw out decades of continuity to return to the series roots, in quotes. So Godzilla is the bad guy again. I don't understand this. I don't know the whole Showa, Heisai, is that how you say it? Era and the Millennium Era of Godzilla. All I see is that all the people that Godzilla saved in the last movie are now scene after scene trying to kill him. And then when they are not trying to kill him, they're having long conversations with a sloppily edited in Raymond Burr about how they are going to kill him. I'm like, uh, why are they doing this? Margaret, I take this fucking kid to the Godzilla and he won't stop crying. Something wrong with this kid. I'll be on the couch. Smoking too much. He still smokes too much. <laughs> Will you stop? You're literally the only person I know left who still smokes. As I'm about to take a, a drag of my vape pen. I'm also emotionally distant if we're keeping score. <laughs> so, anywho. My point. I like Godzilla. Thanks for listening. Good night. No, no, I'm just kidding. Scenic route, scenic. So now it's 1988. And it's a weird time in New York television. We don't have a dedicated local horror host. I'm sure that national ones like Joe Bob was around. And I knew, of course, of Elvira, but I didn't know what she did. I just knew she was a lady who was in beer commercials that I wanted to marry. We had Zachary, the cool ghoul at one point, but that's before my time. But for some reason, WPIX on Saturday afternoon starts syndicating Morgus the Magnificent. A legendary horror host out of New Orleans who's been in the game since the early 60s, played by the great Sid Noel, who just passed away recently. I start watching it because they got my boy Godzilla playing. I didn't understand what I was watching initially. I'd be watching the movie, which would then be periodically interrupted by Morgus doing an experiment, which would invariably result in him being mutilated or just killed outright. I didn't understand there could be a job as cool as being a horror host. 
after a while they were showing movies other than Godzilla, but now I'm just here for Morgus. And fuck Godzilla, that bitch got got by bird calls and fell into a volcano like a simp. Morgus was now my new favorite superhero. Margaret, this fucking kitten. <laughs> but, but now I just love the idea of horror hosts. Legends like Goulardi, Vampira, Fritz the Night Owl, Sven Gulli, Commander USA, who I once worked with on an independent feature. Sweet, sweet guy. His real name was uh, Jimi Hendrix. Isn't that weird? Anywho, when I first started writing whatever this is, I was going to say that it was a dying art, but that's not where we're at these days. There seems to be a resurgence of the horror host. And with that, I'm so happy to introduce our guest today from Big Bad B Movie Show and Lenora's Midnight Rental, as well as author of Faces of Cleveland, Miss Laura Wimbles. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Sorry for going too long. I, I, You know what? It's funny. I write these things and I'm like, this keeps going on and on. I'm like, yeah, shit. I'm not even out of I Godzilla yet. <laughs> I do the same thing uh, when we're on set and I'm having to do a monologue and I I have about the same success rate of probably even lower of getting through it. And then I'm like, who wrote this shit? And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> I did. <laughs> it was me. W's on my... I completely understand. <laughs> Your last name's Wimbles and W is like, I have to stop and take a breath with any word with W's. My mouth just cannot get it. It can't get around that. And yeah, don't worry. Oh. The people listening will be like, what is she talking about? Because this will all be cleaned up and I'm going to sound so smooth by the time it's done. <laughs> so you have uh, Lenora's Midnight Rentals and that's on the found footage guys channel. That's how I discovered your show is because I've been subbed to them for years. I'm a huge fan. I've seen them live a couple of times when they came to New York. How'd you hook up with those guys? So I, too, was a huge fan. Um, I've probably seen them myself probably seven or eight times live. That was how I first experienced them was catching one of their live shows in Cleveland. And you know how you just find something at the right time in your life when you just like need to laugh the most. And I it was the night that I saw them at the Beachland Ballroom in Cleveland and I just died laughing. And I bought like two of their DVDs that night that was in like. 2012 2013 or something and then I always just followed them on social media and I've always been a VHS collector I used to work at Hollywood Video back in the day and oh, wow yeah and you know what's funny is when I went to college I sold off not all of my VHS tapes but I sold the horror ones because those were the ones that still held value and they still hold value no matter what, but it was like DVD. Not like wizard ones, like wizard, no. Uh, yeah, just oh. the, I sold my entire like Friday the 13th franchise because it was like DVDs were the hot new format and it was like the quality on DVDs. It, it felt like you were just like putting glasses on for the first time. So, you know, as I've gotten older and I think we're all just trying to recreate our bedrooms from childhood or our basements from childhood, you know. Like, yeah want the CRT TVs. We want the VCRs back. We want the Nintendos hooked up. I've always been on this like, you know, low key effort quest to recollect the horror movies that I let get away from me on VHS when I was a youth in college. So um, yeah, I, I've always I followed did the literally the same thing. Like <laughs> I was a thousand deep. I had like a thousand yeah. VHS tapes and they're all gone. And like I DVDs, I sold a lot off when I moved, but this time it's like, okay, the Jerry Maguire's could go, but like I'm keeping like, <laughs> 
the anchor bays and stuff like that. For sure. And it's the anchor bay. Like, I mean, I'm not going to say they're underrated because a lot of people appreciate, but it's like, yeah, there's so many anchor bay releases where it's like, if you've got the anchor bay DVD release, you've got like the only good, you know, copy of that. But um, with the found footage guys, I, yeah, I always just followed them on social media and with, you know, like you, you send messages about like, oh, I found this tape or, oh, I found that tape. And then I was co-hosting a late night B-movie show called the Big Bad B-movie show here in Cleveland. And it didn't get picked up for a third season. I, I just saw that. I was because I've been like, where's this from? So I, of course, stumbled on that stuff. And I'm like, where is it? I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> Well, it was, um, I'll just, just to get everyone on the same page, I'll real quickly tell you and those listening at home how it came about. Our Big Bad B-Movies show was a pandemic pickup. It is not something that had been on the television for a long time. It came about in September of 2020, and Channel 43 here in Cleveland is a very old station. It used to have a host called Superhost on there. He uh, was very popular in the 70s and 80s, and he had a little red cape, and he kind of dressed a little bit like a dollar store Superman, and he would host B-movies. And so I had a friend who was working at the station and randomly got a call from them in late 2020 that said, hey, we have an open time slot on Saturday nights at 8 p.m. and the station manager wants to bring back the late night horror host show. And it would be the first original bit of programming content that the station had seen in like 30 years or something. So within two weeks, we had filmed a pilot and it was going on air. So it came about like that. It was not something that we pitched to the station. It was something that the station manager came up with. The guy I co-hosted it with, he was a producer at the station. So, you know, as a lot of horror hosts typically are, they're in-house people who already work there because it's much cheaper to hire them that way. And I was just kind of along for the ride. So we did two seasons. We did 60 episodes. And I found out in, I think it was June, June of this year, that they weren't the station manager who had developed the show he got sent to a different market out of state. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, whoever they bring in next is not going to find the show charming or worth whatever little budget it costs. So I, the wheels in my head started turning like, well, I can either just like set it down and walk away or maybe I can try to pivot and do this on my own. And, you know, because I felt we had so many viewers and we had so many fans, we would get so much fan mail. I thought I, if I'm going to try to do this on my own, now's the time. So the way I got linked up with the found footage guys is I knew that they had had a little show on, are you familiar with the streaming channel Night Flight? I remember the show Night Flight. Oh, well then you will be happy it's from to the eighties, right? The, the Night Flight. Yeah. Yeah. That was like a, was kind of a variety show, a lot of music videos, a lot of weird sketches and stuff. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, USA Network's late night programming um, yes. in the 80s. And it, was, it was USA, you're right, wow. Yeah, and someone someone bought a warehouse a few years ago and inside that warehouse they found boxes of the old Night Flight Master Tapes. Holy which is shit. Incredible is like, that why I've been seeing it like a resurgence of it lately? Yes, because oh. they took those tapes and they started a streaming service called Night Flight. And you can, it's like $5 a month. It's like the best $5 a month you can spend because it's just old music videos. They're crazy programming. Uh, cult it's classic. a legendary show. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. And Nick from the Found Footage Fest, he had a 
kind of same style like pandemic pickup show on night flight so i reached out to him and and said hey i wanted to know what your experience you know was like on night flight because i'm developing this kind of late night style horror hosted show and i want to shop it around to different streaming networks i wanted to have it set in a video store i didn't i didn't want to do the public domain thing which is you know what a lot of horror hosts do that yeah. you show that's what we were doing on the big bad b movie show because it's the cheapest way to do it you show a public domain movie you don't have to worry about rights you don't have to worry about spending a lot of money and you lather rinse repeat you show the movie you might have a skit or two and then that's it and so i was like you know i'd like to do something if possible a little more suited to you know my taste in like 70s 80s 90s movies and i asked him what his experience was like on night flight and he said well you know if you want we're looking to expand our content so if it's something you would be interested in we would love to have you try your show out on our channel and that's how that's honestly all how how it came about just wow. because i reached out and and asked <laughs> so it's like it's the power of social media and just taking that chance of you know talking with someone to see what their experience was like you never know what an opportunity might be there for you so uh they invited me to test out six episodes on their youtube channel which has a sizable following but you know they don't do stuff that's necessarily horror related so it was the like-minded audience yeah they're usually like like even the strange tape show it's like it's what they do adjacent this was such a different thing for them but yeah I, yeah yeah and i was but i was like oh this is great oh by the way what makes your show great it, i mean one of the things that makes it great like the the coup de gras for me is the use of vintage commercials do you understand like that yes. went from, it went from a show that I really like this too. Oh, like me and my wife are watching it because we're big psycho. Like we, this is what we do. Like when we have like parties, you know, holiday parties, we just like throw up old commercials. I'm like, yeah, that's what we do all the time. And like, we have a fight every year about when to start watching Halloween commercials. Cause like to like work up to the season. So it's gotten to the point where it's late July now. I, okay. I love hearing that. I need to party with you and your wife because <laughs> I could do, no joke, the exact same thing. Every like probably for the last seven years, every time I'd have a party at my house, I would take all the like flat screen TVs I have. Not that I have like you know, I'm just swimming in flat screen TVs. <laughs> <but> like <laughs> <you> know, like <laughs> Scrooge McDuck. Um, but to my I, flat so screen TV wing. Yeah, <laughs> this night gallery. <laughs> um, but I'd I'd put them around the living room and the dining room, and I would spend hours setting up YouTube channel playlists of vintage commercials to be playing on different TVs around the house. And like everyone would always love my Christmas and Halloween parties because I would do that. And it's, I even once had a, um, I had Italian night and I, you know, we made a bunch of spaghetti and pizza and I just had old Stouffer's and Chef Boyardee. Like I scoured YouTube for all of these old commercials and I love those. And I have, I probably have one of the things I really like finding are tapes of things that people taped off of television. Oh, like old broadcast. Oh, are you kidding me? Old like programming old, blocks. Yes. Dude, I scour the internet for those. And like a lot of them are showing up on YouTube, which is yes. great. There's a few places on the internet. <laughs> I'll tell you off the air. Well, I can tell you now and I can just cut it. There's a place called. <laughs> it's a. It's a. It's a it's a torrent site. If I have oh, an invite, okay. I could send you. And this is what they do. All they do is just 
have old broadcast blocks. Because I would, one, I would happily contribute to that. And then two, I would happily. (laughs) Oh, you'd be very (laughs) popular. Yeah, if I have an invite, because they're very stingy with the invites, it's a private site. This is never going to make sure. it on the air because I can't yeah, like, yeah. Get the secret out. But that's all they do. And it's like old Saturday morning. That's like a thing we, we go to sleep to most nights. If it's not Carol Burnett, we have Saturday morning cartoon blocks that we just play. Oh, my God. I freaking love Carol Burnett so much. And Vicki Lawrence and just like total sidebar. Vicki Lawrence, you know, Thelma Harper yeah. from Mama's Family. She's coming to Steel City Con in two weeks in Pittsburgh. And for the first time ever, she's doing photo ops as Mama. Wow. Holy shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, I feel like you are the type of person who would appreciate oh, knowing. Oh, are you kidding me? Like, I, I told I'd a probably couple cry. People, I might like, cry if I ever saw <laughs> <laughs> I already have my pass and I am 100% getting one. Um. So, but yeah, I love, I love Carol Burnett. I love, I, I was, I don't know if you were like me. I was a kid who grew up without cable. And I feel like that completely shaped my personality and being just in this like, pop cultural vacuum of not knowing what was going on on the good side of like experiencing all of these amazing channels that everyone else got to see. I, we didn't have cable proper to, to uh, 1990. (laughs) What we had before that was a hot box, which was, it's just, uh, I don't know how it is in other states, but usually you get a person, usually an Italian guy, because we're shifty. And <laughs> you're not and shifty. You're, 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 you're spunky. You're, 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 spunky. you're yeah, that's one way to yeah. put it. <laughs> Habitual criminals is another way to put it. But anywho, is that they would go onto your phone line and hook up a line to your house and just have a, a an AB switch box that would just give you HBO. And it was just like, so obviously a crime is being committed because it wasn't like a line just slung to like almost at head level to your house. And it's just like, <laughs> to get Vito back here, there's something wrong with this box. And like, that's what oh, everybody had that. We had a hot box, but I didn't have cable proper. Then I became a Nick at night psychopath. And like, like me and my friend oh, James, yeah. my friend James has the greatest line ever. He's like, dude, because he's like a big Nick at Night head like I was. And he's just like, oh, I didn't watch Nick at Night. I went through Nick at Nam. <laughs> <laughs> we are big Nick at like, So yeah, like vintage programming, like stuff like that is like a weird obsession of mine. Oh, no, I, I, I completely agree. And I, even though I didn't have cable, I, I wanted it so bad. And my, I had a good friend growing up and she uh, was the last of four kids and her parents had her very later in their life. She was a surprise. And so they were tired by the time she was uh, growing up. And so she, (laughs) they just let us always do whatever we wanted. And so we were allowed to watch whatever we wanted on TV. So going to her house was a treat because she had all the premium channels and everything. And I would beg and beg and beg, like, please record, like, you know, take the, take a tape and record Nick at night for me. And I had two Nick at night tapes that I just, I felt like I was rich because like I was, you know, I had old Nickelodeon commercials and yeah, all of that. Yeah, I got to send you the because they have just programming blocks from that. All com- When it says W-O-C, that means with original commercials. And that's where I'm in hog heaven. Yeah. If somebody edits the, com- when they upload something with the commercials edited out, I'm like, what a piece of shit. Why would you do that? <laughs> just- I know. And I, um, I'll blind, I'll buy 
lots on eBay of tapes. And, you know, I've, I I have good luck at finding them on, you know, like Craigslist and stuff too. But like, oh, I like to have a variety of commercials on the show and I want to have a bunch banked up. And but I'll, I'll buy tape lots on eBay of things that people have recorded off of TV. And then when I get a lot that's like, some psycho had <laughs> sat there and hit the pause button when the commercials came on. I'm like, no, why? What a sociopath. What are you doing? I have like old tapes from back then. And I was one of those assholes because it's like I didn't understand <laughs> the value of that. We didn't know. And well, I my big thing that I recorded and I still have the tapes of, which is where most of the commercials so far in Midnight Rental have come from, are my old Simpsons tapes because I loved the Simpsons growing up. So I always pro programmed the VCR to record the reruns that would air at like 6.30. And so a lot of the commercials come from that block. But if I was home, because I was trying to get them all in order, like even back then, uh, if I was home, I I would be the asshole who would be pushing pause to skip yeah. the commercials. But <laughs> I do I do have a number, thankfully, saved. <laughs> I found one of the coolest things I found. I'm not even a big Star Wars person, but... I remember when Star Wars first aired on network television. Oh, that was uh, a big deal. Yeah, it was like February of 1984. And the reason I know that somebody placed, here's the, the entire broadcast. And it was like hosted by Mark Hamill. And there was weird bumpers with like the Flintstones, like, hey, buddy, Star Wars, huh? Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> It's the greatest. It's the, it's my preferred way to watch. If I ever want to watch Star Wars, which not often, but if I ever do, like that's my preferred way of watching it. Oh, that's awesome. I would love to see that. Yeah, that would definitely be the preferred way to experience it because I think a lot of what is lost in our current streaming era are those big televised events because you didn't have 30,000 other options like you had, I don't know, six, seven, eight channels, and that was it. So if something was being, if a movie was being televised like that, like that was a big deal. That was a huge deal. And now it's, everything's a la carte and on demand and when you want it. And so I think uh, a lot of the pizzazz is is lost. And like, a lot of the advertising tie-ins. We don't, we don't get those big movie advertising tie-ins like we used to, like with McDonald's and Burger King and stuff. I still have the Batman Forever mugs that they made for McDonald's. Oh, Do you remember those? The clear glass not, ones? And yes. they, were, they, are, they are works of art. I don't give a shit what anybody says. And I, <laughs> they are beautiful. Like pr promotional tie-in glassware is like a big thing to me. <laughs> I love promotional tie-in clothing, and I recently found a Totino's um, <laughs> satin jacket that, like, I, I'm still, like, I'm, like, I don't know. I don't know what to do first with this. Like, <laughs> do we do, like, a photo shoot? Like, do I, like, do I just, like, snow angel in, in pizza rolls? Like, it's just, it's beautiful, and I found <laughs> it on Etsy, and it's from the late 80s, early 90s, but it's, uh, yeah, just promotional tie-in stuff like that is nah. <laughs> and we have another show called draft class there was like a tweet i saw recently it was just like like let's spend half the film's budget on just licensing every major song you could think of and it's so we're gonna put it together a show best 90s movie soundtracks and it's oh, just wow. there are some bangers like i don't even know where to begin oh uh, batman forever that's um, a sick one dude uh, even the jerky boys movie has a great soundtrack <laughs> Well, and then, and then and then there were the movies where the soundtrack was like so much better than the movie, like the Crow Two. That's a Dude, great Crow soundtrack. Two City of Angels soundtrack is one of the greatest soundtracks ever. That that would be on my Thank list. You. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, the movies. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, you don't get that anymore. Now it's like it'll it'll be like this like generated kind of like TikTok pop stars doing a thing for some CGI cartoon that I don't care about. Yeah, I guess the marketplace has changed where there's no equity in it. To me, it just made the movie better. Um, oh, sure. You go to cons a lot, I noticed. I, I've been going through your Instagram, not as creepy as it sounds, I'm doing it for the interview, but it's just like- Oh, no, 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 that's totally fair. You know, what's funny is I'd never had a public Instagram. I had kept it private from day one. So like all the nine years or something, not that this is anything like important, like who gives a shit, but like when I started, when I was like, oh, I want to try, you know, to do this midnight rental show. I was like, I think I have to like be a little more open and like, you know, that you know the game. Like, you uh, have yeah, to- I'm doing, I'm like it. on the Twitter. I'm not- Instagram Instagrammy, I'm Twittery. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have like a Facebook where I just say hi to like family members. Like, oh, that's nice that thing you cooked, and that's like about my and I shit post. That's all I do. I just post like that's, memes I find. That's it. Yeah. I to, now I have to like engage, and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> that's exactly where I'm at too. And I Facebook is. I know we talked about like ADHD before, but like that one gets mine bad. So I like I don't keep it on my phone. I don't really mess with Facebook ever. But that's the one where it's like oh, you have to like keep up with it. And I'm like, I don't want to. But so when I made my Instagram public, I had, I was like, all right, you gotta, you gotta be open and let people look at your stuff. But yeah, I do. I do enjoy going to conventions. I have always enjoyed going. I think the first one I went to was I think Chiller Theater, maybe. In Jersey? Maybe, no, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't Chiller. It was Fright Vision. We had Fright Vision in Cleveland in the 90s. And my mom dropped me off at it at a Marriott downtown. And I was so excited because I don't know if you know uh, Dick Warlock, one, the greatest name. Of, uh, of all is he a, a stunt guy or yes. no? He's a stunt guy. Okay. He's a, he's a stunt guy, uh, probably most famously Kurt Russell's stunt man in like Escape from New York and a lot of John Carpenter movies. Uh, he was also, he also played Michael Myers in Halloween 2. Oh. And he was at Fright Vision and I happened to catch him as he was walking. I don't know where he was going, but he was carrying the Michael Myers mask. And I had a little disposable camera with me and I asked if I could take a picture of him. And he said, sure. And he, he held it up. I just came across the picture again yesterday and it is like, it's one of my favorite memories. And he is still with us. He is still with us on this oh, earth awesome. and i just saw him at a convention uh maybe like six months ago and i i brought the picture and showed him and he was like wow i look great <laughs> he's very sweet <laughs> i pulled this out of its uh display area because i wanted to show you this not trying to flex on you but oh, please flex away you posted something that you found a uh something related to they live i don't know if it was a soundtracks uh record is that what it was so yes. i said okay you're a person of culture <laughs> and i thought you would appreciate this, this thing that I have signed, especially since you're a VHS collector. I hope this comes through. So I have one of the giant uh, display VHS boxes of They Lived, and I got it signed by Roddy and John Carpenter. That is, yeah, I, I immediately recognize John Carpenter's, and you have Roderick George Toombs on there. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> I, Tell me I, everything I, about how this came to be. Okay, so there was a video store that I used to go to in uh, North Carolina, uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina, when I was living there for a little while. And it's the craziest place, this video store. It was behind a skate shop in a parking lot. You go behind the built, like this shopping center, 
and there was this little video store and all it was was just rare out of print and bootlegs of like cult movies and yeah. pornography and that's all the guys had he was like he was, and he didn't rent anything he just sold stuff he's like well he's like the first thing is my passion the other way is how i actually make money and uh, <laughs> was and, it called uh what else do you need <laughs> yeah right it's your one-stop shop uh yeah. and uh he always had that they live oversized vhs like you know display thing they put in video stores just hanging there and i just eventually just said can you please sell me that can he's just like no just take it dude yeah, and just over time, I over time I got to meet Roddy Piper, and this was a few months before he passed. It was in a Big Apple Con, and then when I went to Philly, Wizard World Philly, I got to meet John Carpenter, and it was just like, if I'm gonna get anything signed by these guys, it has to be that. That is absolutely incredible. That one belongs in a museum. Yeah. you should put it in one of those like acrylic. What are those called? Those dome things that like. Uh, yeah, so if if somebody's gonna appreciate it, be you. Oh, that is that is so awesome. That is. I still don't have John Carpenter. Carpenter's signature mm. on anything. And I wish I, when I met him at Steel City Con uh, this past summer, I should have had him sign something. Uh, conventions always come up when I'm like broke, when I, when I just. <laughs> well, I haven't like, gone in a few um, years. So uh, they always come up like after I've had to unexpectedly spend money on like my car or something explodes. And yeah, I went to Steel City Con and I it was one of those like I had gotten a photo op with him for my birthday. And then, you know, signatures are so much money. But he he like he didn't have a line that bad the day I went. And I'm going to Texas Frightmare with some friends next year. And he's like the big star there. So I know his line is going to be absolutely crazy, but totally worth it. Cause he's a living legend. I mean, it's oh, John huge. Carpenter. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm so glad we still have him with us. And you just did your yeah. last episode of your show was a love letter to John Carpenter. Oh, going back to your first episode. So it sounds like you had, uh, you had, it, it was a tough, it was a tough shoot. Cause you like, let it be known in the beginning in this opening crawl, that you really pulled this one out, that this was a tough one to shoot. Like, what exactly happened? See, here's the thing. I've watched it a few times now. I didn't read the opening crawl the first time, so I just remember watching, like, everybody seems to be sweating a whole bunch. And then... <laughs> and then I read the crawl the second time I watched it. I'm like, oh, it was tough. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was a hot one. Where are set spaces? I'm very lucky that I have a friend who has a warehouse garage space that he does demo work and he kind of salvages a lot of stuff that he finds that in buildings that are about to be demolished and he saves them. He's like a curated hoarder. And so he had this space that like he was emptying it out and he said, you're welcome to use it uh, as a set space, which is very kind of him. He's like, but it doesn't have air conditioning. So I was like, oh, whatever, it's fine. You know, it had a big garage door that, you know, we can open in between uh, takes. But end of July, when did we shoot that? Was it end of July? End of July, it was, I think it was 98 or 99 degrees that day. And I am not a woman who is wealthy. So we're just using our friends who are filmmakers who are doing this very kindly on days that they're not working their regular professional full-time jobs. So it was kind of a, we get it today or we don't get it. <laughs> it's a very polished show. Like that was the other thing that struck me when I first watched it. it you you kind of like in that first episode say like, guys, keep your expectations low. It's not right. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> very no, but it's a very polished show. Like uh, surprisingly for like, that was the other thing that struck me when I first watched them. Like, 
this is a YouTube show. This is really well made. <laughs> I uh, wanted it to look, I, I wanted to maintain, even though I wasn't doing a television show in the same sense of the Big Bad B movie show, you know, I don't have a two hour time block with, you know, like built in station commercials. I still wanted it to feel like you were watching kind of a TV show where there's little breaks with a commercial or two. Um, I wanted it to have that same setup versus having it be more of a, you know, standard YouTube format show, which is like just a commentary chunk, which I love watching those. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. I just I think it was because I was coming off of the heels of working on a TV show. So I wanted it probably almost obsessively. So, you know, how when you get into something that you're really excited about doing it, you're like, I have to have it look this way. And so <laughs> I previously with the other show, I didn't do any of the editing and I have learned how to use Adobe Premiere. Um, you edit the show. My good friend, Ron, he offered to help when I was freaking out because my laptop died. My laptop died while I was getting ready to edit the pilot. I very quickly had to put together a GoFundMe, which people were so kind and generous. Like it's, it makes me want to cry even just talking about it because like within less than a day, people had donated enough money where I could get a new MacBook Pro. So, and I, that was like the one time where I did have a, a, you know, a set deadline for the pilot. Like it had to be done this day and I had a week and a half to get it edited. So my friend Ron, it was, it was very, it was terrifying. That was the most, like, I didn't sleep for like five days straight. I was like seeing things like hallucinating, but my buddy Ron, he used to do television production editing and he's like, oh yeah, I can, I can totally help. Help, but he's married he's got two kids and so he had time to edit it after everyone goes to bed so you know like it's not like he has a lot of extra time to like dedicate to making you know this goofy show look good so it was very much big effort on his part and then my myself trying to just learn how to do premiere um around it so I've been editing it with Ron's assistance and, uh, you know, when he can fill in. But I have definitely learned a lot. And I was very proud because this last John Carpenter episode was mostly myself doing it. So it's only getting better, I, yeah, I think. Wouldn't have known that's your first time at that <laughs> editing because that's uh, it's shot like a typical three camera like setup thing. You wouldn't know that you're a novice editor. I would, Well, I, I definitely have Ron to thank for that. And I have YouTube tutorials um, that is like. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, oh that's how God. I learned how to do anything. I work as an editor for years and people always call me with like tech questions. It's like, dude, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take your question and search it on YouTube. And that's how I'm going to find out. Why don't you skip a step by calling me? Because I, I don't know what I'm doing either. People think I know what I'm doing. It's like, no, I just know how to Google and or search on YouTube. That's <laughs> yeah. it. My friend's an IT guy, and uh, and that's what he's like. He's like, what? he's like, how do you become an IT guy? How do you get so proficient? He's just like, I just know how to Google search better than most people, I guess. That's how I do my job. It's all about manipulating Google into Googling the phrase that's going to get you the most efficient result. Yeah, that's how I, I fixed my cylinder on my old Ford Focus back in the day, just because of YouTube. It was just like, hey, it's like my key won't turn. What is that? It's like, oh, it's a common problem with this specific model of car. What you do is this. And I'm like, thank you, YouTube. I don't have to know anything. <laughs> YouTube's like my brain's purse. I don't actually hold thoughts or ideas in my head. It just goes in there. And when I need it, I pull it out. <laughs> it's a little messenger bag. My previous career, I was a photographer. So I like kind of have a little bit of like a, I, I don't even know. It's so different because it's not like you do any sort of video editing with photography. I mean, yeah, there's Photoshop, but 
Javier Mendez, his channel, he's a video editor. He has saved me countless, countless times. So uh, gracias, Javier, because he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's amazing. The show's been doing good. Because like when I first saw it, I'm like, had like a couple thousand views. I'm like, this deserves more views. But now since I've been checking in, it's been growing the audience significantly. Yeah, I was absolutely shocked because... I mean, you know how it is like when you put yourself out there on the Internet, you never know one, how people are going to respond to it Two, if anyone's going to even look at it or three, if it's going to, you know, who is it going to get in front of? Is it going to get in front of the right people who are interested in this type of thing? And I, I knew with the found footage festivals, I almost said customer base, viewership base that, you know, it, it again would be a like-minded audience, but I was really taken aback by just how nice everyone was about, it. especially since the first one, I'm like, it's a pilot. Like, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of time to, you You're know, way uh, too hard on it, dude. Like, it's like weird that you start your first episode with an apology for the episode i'm like it's fine dude take it easy <laughs> it's, i don't know if it's the midwestern in me or what <laughs> i think with anything that you that you care about and you're like this is my baby and i want it to i want it to sing it always feels like man if i had just had another week man if i had just had another you know like this yeah. amount of time and it, i think my laptop dying just like freaked me out because i was like i don't know how i'm gonna get this done but um <laughs> people have just been really nice about it and it, it's funny because when I was doing the Big Bad B movie show. I had no idea that there were politics involved with horror hosts. I had no idea. I did not know. Yeah, exactly. You're making. Yeah, you're I'm making shaking my head. No, I, I was. I was shaking my head in confusion to people who are just listening. Did not know because it, like I had said before, it came about very quickly. I did not know that there was a whole other like community of horror hosts who were very upset that like these people were all of a sudden doing a show on television and they were all very mad. And that, that was only told to me like kind of recently, like, oh, this whole, you know, group of horror hosts are very upset that you guys got, you know, you just came out of nowhere and you started doing it. I'm like, Really? Like Svengoolie comes up to you like, so you don't seem to know how things are done around here. <laughs> it's real tough in this world for all of us to coexist and make shitty skits. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like, I'm just focused on making my stuff as good as I can and having fun with it. Like, I would rather do that than be crabby about it and gatekeepy. But there's... I guess there's politics with everything. You didn't but go through the proper channels. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't ring kiss all of the um, <laughs> big brass uh, no, rings. Those, yeah. But um, you know, and it, they've been around. Horror hosts have been around. I mean, you've got Vampira and John Zachary. I mean, since the '50s. So it's there's very little Vampira that's left, but there is like a recon. You can find. I think it's on YouTube. There's like a Vampira reconstructed episode where they just took a bunch of her segments and kind of put it with period appropriate commercials because it's like those don't exist sadly i did see that and we had a horror host in cleveland it was kind of the same way i don't know if you're familiar with goularty goularty yeah and ernie anderson ernie anderson um PT's very dad. very yeah very little of his footage exists i think it's only like six or seven minutes i've so. seen whatever it was and it's like very proto mst3k where like he would like talk back at the movies in a little bit yeah he was very just like off the cuff like stream of consciousness but like that was 
that was airing way before I was born. Yeah. They never did any reruns, you know, when I was growing up. So I never, you know, I was never like, oh, I'm a Goulardi fan. You know, like I, I appreciate, you know, like where he came from and what he did for everyone. But it, it's just not in my familiar wheelhouse. We also had in Cleveland, what I grew up with was Big Chuck and Little John. I don't know if you've ever no, heard, never of, heard of that one. They live right up to their name. Big Chuck, very, very tall guy, like probably six, six or something. I don't know how tall he is. And then little John is a legitimate little person. And when I met him, I was maybe four years old. Uh, they were doing an appearance at the mall. And I was like, oh, you're as tall as I am. And my mom just like, put my <laughs> she's like, no, <laughs> but it was so cool to like, see the people that, you know, they would a little show John me. came up to you. Little afterwards John, yeah. and, like, and little John was like, if you're thinking about hosting a horror host show around here, you got to go through me and the muscle over here. <laughs> you're going to, in about 30 years, if you, if you try to get on air and be funny, kid, you got, you got another thing coming. <laughs> Getting back to Ernie Anderson, though, you, you know how I know him the best. Well, aside from him being on Carol Burnett in the audience, yes. that every time Carol Burnett, our friend Ernie Anderson is here. And he here, wouldn't yeah. do anything. He would just shut up, show up and wave. It's like, why would anybody know or care who he is? He's the, the reason I know him is, is he's the voice of ABC, the voice of ABC when I was a kid growing up. This tonight yeah. on the ABC Sunday night movie. If you notice, if you remember like his old broadcast, he had two voices. He had like, and he was doing like a Disney movie voice and then the horror movie voice. He'd be like, tonight, Herbie goes bananas. And then like when it was <laughs> a scary movie and like he would scare the shit out of you tonight. Jaws. So gravelly. Yeah. yeah. He got very gravelly. Now, do you think that when he went to stick his toe in the voiceover announcing world, there was someone like who was just like, now listen, if you think that you're yeah. going to come in here. And, and... Listen, you son of a bitch. Casey Casey comes <laughs> yeah, yeah. up. Casey Don't Casey you dare up. come into my backyard. <laughs> it's fucking ponderous. <laughs> You ever hear those outtakes with him? It's fucking ponderous. Dead dog dedication. Uh, have you always been like a big horror nerd too? Yeah, I always I always loved, um, I think this is a common theme with a lot of kids when they're younger. You know, they see that one movie that scares the shit out of them and then they don't sleep for five years, but they kind of like it too because there's something like very enticing about it. And I, I saw three movies within like a two week period that just changed my life. I saw Psycho. There's really really i mean other than the hershey syrup i mean it's not a very bloody movie it, you don't really see too much it's your mind fills in the blanks of what's happening i saw that when i was maybe like in second or third grade and then cat's eye steven oh King's my god cat's eye that used to freak me out they aired that that was the same night as psycho i saw both of those in the same night and i was already like oh god I, i'm not gonna take a bath again and then the following week, I saw Halloween, and that just ruined me. But I loved it. It scared me so deeply and so badly. And I just wanted to see more horror, but I was still terrified of it. And that it's everything about it just works. It's it's the score. It's the the way it's shot. Everything. It's um. It's a perfect it's, movie as far as I'm concerned. Uh, not yeah. my favorite Carpenter film, uh, but it's certainly just an amazing film. I mean, like it, I, I watch it regularly. Every year you have to watch it at Halloween. It's like that and Trick or Treat. I have to watch every Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> required viewing 
I forgot to ask this before the show because I didn't know how how much you wanted to be in the character. If you're going to do a Pee Wee thing, it's like, do you want to be introduced as Lenora or Laura Wimbledon? Oh, oh God, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah. Only you can only refer to me as my character's name. I no. don't know. It's like you know. <laughs> no, that's. This is, I would rather be me. Uh, were you going to ask what? Oh, I was going to ask you, uh, how did you come up with the character of Lenora? And like, yeah, where did she come from, Lenora? I, well, when we were putting together the Big Bad B movie show, we had to come up with character names. And I had thought up Lenora because I love Edgar Allan Poe. And I Ooh. didn't want to do straight Lenore. And I just kind of combined it with my name just to mm. keep it a little simple. And then my co-host name, I came up with Leopold. And that was, I took that from the Simpsons when they had the, uh, it was a replacement. It was like a substitute principal came in and his oh, name was Leopold. It's, it's from like season three, I think. Simpsons. So the sweet spot of that show if, is seasons three to 10. That's where I yeah. always say. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I, I do agree. I it's one of those things where people are like, oh, you know, if you really just like watch the rest of them, they're they're good. And I, I have I, I've watched a few of the seasons. I just Hank Azaria <laughs> gave up on doing Mo's voice correctly. He just sounds like Hank Azaria now. Like, hey, I'm Mo Sislak. And it's like, that's not how Mo sounds. <laughs> You're Hank Azaria. That's <laughs> <laughs> Hank Azaria. Uh, <laughs> if you listen to our other shows, like we quote The Simpsons nonstop. Like those, especially that run, like Groundskeeper Willie's my favorite to quote. No, if there's a swimming pool in the apartment complex, there was a rat in the deep end, but we got him. <laughs> him going through the uh, heating ducts all greased up. <laughs> Grease me up, woman, I'm getting in. Grease me up, woman. <laughs> ah, I, I say, the... wait for Willie. <laughs> <laughs> We don't call it The Shining anymore. We call it The Shining. Like we don't, we have, I haven't watched The Shining in years, but The Shining I've watched multiple times. Well, you don't want to get sued. Urge <laughs> <laughs> to kill rising. Um, it was such a treat. Like uh, Roseanne and- Roseanne has is, is amazing Halloween episodes. And that goes back to what we were saying about like big buzz around like movie premieres on TV networks. Like you don't get that same like, and now tune in for a very special episode of The Simpsons. You know, it was like, that was a big event when it was Treehouse of Horror Night. Do you miss not knowing what was coming out? Like everybody feels like a movie and TV insider now. Like everybody knows what the next five years of movies are. It was so much fun because you came from those analog days, I, I assume, where before the internet, where it was just like, you'll just be in the theater and it's just like, yeah, Terminator 2 is coming out. What the fuck? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I completely agree with you on that. And I, to the point where this is going to make me sound like a crazy person, but when I do go see a movie in the theater, like sometimes I don't even want to watch the previews because I feel like they give away so much. I feel like movie previews now will t almost tell the entire movie from start to finish and like, you know, like show all of the good scenes because they know everyone has the attention span of like, five seconds so it's like i'll sit there and like cover my eyes if it's a movie that i want to see um but yeah i miss i miss the mystery yeah i, I feel like a lot of the mystery is gone out of our anticipatory excitement towards upcoming movies i, I remember when jurassic park got announced it was like 
what? <laughs> like that was crazy. See, my recollection with the Jurassic Park because we we had a big discussion about this on our show, and it was just the other movie about dinosaurs that came out that summer. Because if well, the big movie about dinosaurs is obviously Super Mario Brothers, and there's this <laughs> other movie because Jurassic Park's kind of vague. But then when you see it, it's amazing because the first, the big movie that summer was supposed to be Last Action Hero. And uh. no, that was like going to be the killer app. It's Schwarzenegger's big movie. It's this big meta takedown of action movies. And it was like, that was going to be the big thing. And then, you know, Jurassic Park ran away with it. Yeah, but that was against, <laughs> that, that's a surprise. Like you walk into the theater, you don't know what you're going to expect with that. And then all of a sudden you're like, what the, that just happened to me. Now it's just like <laughs> you're kind of primed before you go in. I, yeah, Jurassic Park was the first movie I saw at a drive-in um I've never my mom... been to a drive-in that breaks my heart i know oh my know. oh you got your first drive-in experience you don't have to listen to me but i think you and your wife you should make the pilgrimage to the mahoning drive-in in Leighton, pa are you familiar with the i've mahoning heard that one i've heard that i've heard of that well, that's like one of the ones that always comes up as like one of the better ones they're super into horror movies they're super into like 70s 80s 90s horror movies found footage festival those guys have done shows there mm. Um, when you go and see a movie, a lot of times on the weekends, you have the option to camp overnight. So oh you can just camp in the big field that, that's like the parking lot. It's so freaking cool. And they also have like a little, it's a, it's like their projection room also doubles as a little horror museum. So they have all these like oh, different movie like uh, memorabilia and everything. And the people who run it are just so freaking nice and cool. And yeah, they'll have, um, I know they've had like weekends where they brought in like Linnea Quigley and Melissa Rose has been there, but they, they're just really, they're into it. They get it. Now you just hosted something with Linnea Quigley recently. What was that experience like she's an icon i don't even have words it was awesome it was put on by the same people who did the evening with caroline williams and when they showed texas chainsaw 2 so they showed uh return of the living dead and they brought in linnea for that and i had never gotten to see return of the living dead on the big screen before so that was awesome and linnea was amazing i was i was very glad that she was able to make it because she had just had a bad fall like four months prior and she had to have surgery on her knee so oh. I was hoping that she was going to be okay, um, just in general, but also to make it. And she was, she was good. It was super fun. That's awesome. Uh, aren't horror fans the best people? They usually are because I've like dealt with fandoms. Uh, done. I used to be a big Doctor Who psycho, and oh, I used okay. to... yeah. So that's a whole. I mean, that's its own fandom. Oh, like, that's, that's a what? That's how me and my <laughs> wife met. We were like literally oh, online awesome. at a Doctor Who event. I love that. Yeah. Now both of us don't watch the show anymore. It's so weird. But it's like it's. <laughs> hey, you nice... got what you needed out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Let's walk away. We both lost. Let's let's just like take our losings and go. But like, I've always noticed that they're just the nicest people. They really are. And it's, I, I truly. A lot I of Slayer t-shirts. They like wearing Slayer t-shirts, but they're <laughs> sweethearts. I, I I definitely agree that I think horror, the horror community has the best fandom out of any of the fandoms. Like comic fandom, totally great. I've seen, 
I've been to some Comic Cons though, where people yeah. are getting a little shifty. But yeah, horror—I have never seen people get brought together more so than the horror movie community. Everyone's just genuinely so excited to have other people to share and talk about these goofy movies that they otherwise—I don't know. Like I, I was totally nerdy, out of place kid growing up. Like I was adopted as an infant, and I was Hispanic growing up in like a very white community so I never felt like I fit in and there was something about like going to a horror convention when I was that was where I found my people and there, there's one here in Cleveland called Cinema Wasteland that takes place twice a year and it's been going on since uh, the year 2000 and I have been to almost every single one I never miss it because it's like it feels like you're going home to summer camp each time like it's so much fun it's a convention that focuses more on like uh, B-movies grindhouse films but they always have a different theme each time the convention's happening so uh, what was the most recent one well they'll have like night of the living dead and then they try to get a lot of the night of the living dead people they've had oh motel hell that was the most recent oh that's a fun one so have you gotten into a groove with the shooting schedule or is it getting a little easier with the shooting of the show yes it's definitely getting easier i previously with the big bad b movie show it is an entirely different format it's completely different because Whereas before we were showing public domain movie, then we'd have a couple like interstitial areas that might only add up to seven to 10 minutes of total content time that we needed to film with us right. on camera. With this, most of the episodes have so far been like an hour. The second one was like an hour and 20 minutes. I'm doing the writing. Uh, it's a lot of you know, voiceover stuff. So that's a lot of copy to have written. Like you have, even when you're not on screen, you still got to fill the time. So that's a lot of writing. Yeah. And I, again, go, going back to what we were saying, like who wrote this? It's like, I keep doing it to myself, but it's like, it, you know, you want it to look and sound a certain way. So I've learned, like I have, I have a microphone, I have like a podcasting mixer here. So I just do all the voiceover here on my own time. Like the first episode, I was like, oh, I have to make sure I get everything done on set so that the sound matches. Like I thought that oh, this is like... So you like, recorded it on set, know. like all that on set. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just um, sweating in a warehouse. Oh, my God. It was so hot that day. And that again, was all shot in one day. That was all shot in one day. That's brutal, dude. Because I'm looking at like all the like the coverage you're doing because you're doing you're not just it's not just like, you know, one talking head. There's coverage and there's puppetry. So there's that's uh, that's oh, rough, yeah. dude. And, that's, amb uh, that's an ambition. That's what we call an ambitious shooting schedule. <laughs> I yeah I felt now I know like I don't want I don't want anyone to have to be there more than like four hours it becomes cruel after <laughs> like hey guys I know we're all friends and we want to work on this passion project together but uh do you want to sit in a warehouse for eight hours like that's just it's mean so the last couple episodes the, well, the last two episodes rather it's better to break it up where it's like three to four hour shoots and then if we need to get a few pickup shots then we know it's going to be a little bit of a quicker a, a quicker day and I have two of my friends who are camera guys one of them is from the old show I totally sniped him I was like hey I know you don't work at the station but I'm doing this show I think it has legs would you want to work on it and he was just like oh yeah 100 <laughs> percent so I'm sure the response has been great because I'm like I see the comments and it's just like everybody seems to really love it. 
I mean, it's a great show. It's there's nothing else like it. It's like it's got that horror host tinge to it, but a nice review format. Because like a lot of times, it's just like like I was saying with Morgus. Even then, it's just like I just want to get back to the host segment because I'm kind of yeah. bored with the actual movie. Like even like, like yeah, you're showing like those public domain films. Like how many times am I gonna watch The Last Man on Earth? I love that movie, but it's like I'm gonna watch it again. Or House on Haunted Hill. I've seen a thousand times. It's like. I just want to get back it, to your stuff. A hundred percent. And that's, that's exactly what it is because there is nothing that there's nothing new about Carnival of Souls, Attack of the Giant <laughs> Liches that I can say that's going to be new that Elvira hasn't already said or that every single other horror host hasn't already said and in a funny way, you know, I'm not going to be able to do yeah, what it. What can I bring to the table with that? It's just so yeah, and I. I just wanted to do something that was maybe a little more of a modern format for YouTube. And because I knew that that's where my show was going, being on YouTube, you kind of have to modify it, I think, a little bit. It does feel like a nice hybrid of the old style horror host show and a YouTube style review show. That's what I enjoy about it. And of course, the vintage commercials, which again, chef's kiss. <laughs> and I didn't want to just dump on movies. I didn't want it to be, you know, movie review segments where it's like, what the fuck were they it's thinking? snarky, they're yeah. Piece of shit, like, blah, blah, blah. And then it's like- I'm better than this movie. <laughs> yeah, and that person might not have ever made any movie. And having worked on a TV show where- we didn't have a budget. We didn't have anything except like two hours of filming time. Like you sometimes see like, yeah, that might have been all they had to work with. And they they tried their hardest. So <laughs> I um a friend of mine said this in production and I, I'm making my own films. It's like I know this. It's just like it's just as hard to make a bad film as it is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like you did the same amount of effort. And a lot of the times, like, you know, like like when I was talking to Barry J. Gillis, it's like a lot of these guys, especially like in the, the more cultier, like smaller side, they're doing it just for the love of the game. They're not like there to be rich. They're just doing it because they really love this stuff. And it's like, it's like, I, how could you dump on that? That's like, not, that's not fair. I've never that's seen anybody discuss body bags, which is like, I had forgotten that existed. And I was like, I, I saw it when it aired. That's the last time I had watched it. And I was like, oh my God, I forgot this even existed. So I, I saw it completely opposite the way you first saw it. I didn't see it until I was an adult. I didn't see it until fairly recently, like in the last maybe five years. And it was one of those movies where you know what a treat that is when you uncover a movie like that, that you had previously never seen. And it's from that great period of like the late 80s, early 90s. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's like Christmas and my birthday. Like, and it's a, you know, a John Carpenter movie and I get to see it for the first time. Like, I was so excited. And then I was like, hey, why don't more people talk about body bags? Like, <laughs> Yeah, you went into some deep cut stuff. And I was like, that's a deep cut. I was kind of bummed of the uh, second episode we were talking about. I love Jason X. I, I don't care what anyone says. I think Jason X is a fun film. I'm not saying that it's not going to save any lives. But Jim Isaac, who made that movie, he put so much heart into that. He wanted it to be exactly what it was. He achieved it. He did such an incredible job. And that movie deserved so much better. But after episode two was out for like three weeks, Warner Brothers gave it a copyright strike. So oh, that's no, of Jason X got like trimmed out like 10 minutes. So like the there's a part where I talk about like the production notes of it where I'm not showing like footage from the movie that's still there. But like the movie review of Jason X that got that got that's trimmed out. That's fair use though. I don't understand. It is. And it's one of those things where it's just like they're auto flaggers that mm. it just it kept auto flagging it. And then it was like the next step. You have to like escalate it to, 
you know, possible like, litigation and shit. Possible yeah. litigation. And yeah, especially since like this is on the found footage festivals channel. Like, I don't want to do anything. Right. Up. It's not even your I'm channel. Like, it's just like, yeah, you, you, yeah. you don't bring so no like, here. I just said, yeah, we'll just trim it out because Sven uh, on his computer. I'll show this motherfucker. And he's throwing <laughs> the copyright strike at you. I don't know Spangoli. I'm sure he's a lovely person. I'm just using him as an example because the only name, think, name I could think of offhand. Sorry. Getting back to Jason X, I think that's the <laughs> sentiment about the movie, though. People love that movie. I saw it in the theater. This is a fun ass movie. I it's saw so it weird in seeing it in the theater. Well. It's like, is that David Cronenberg? Yeah. <laughs> what was that about? And I was, I, it was your show finally clarified like what the connection was because I never knew that. And I was just like, what the fuck is he doing here? <laughs> like, I always thought that was just odd. I do think, though, listen. You're a little hard on Leprechaun in space. <laughs> Not that it's saying that anything you said about the object, perfectly reasonable objective criticisms were in any way wrong. <laughs> it's that's the thing, though. It's still a fun movie to watch. How could it's you just say, yeah, it doesn't make sense. This doesn't make any sense. I'm like, right. <laughs> and your problem. <laughs> Not seeing the problem here. And that's the thing that it's like any of those rules can where I'm like, no, but this movie's fun and I like it. It's like you can flip that around and apply the same rule set to Leprechaun in space. Yeah. Like it's it's still like it always comes down to what pulls you for whatever reason. Like, why did I enjoy Critters 4? I don't know. I can't tell. I can't tell you why I enjoyed Critters 4. But there was just something about it that was like, oh, that was nice. And, and like with Jason X, even before I started doing the research and realized how much effort Jim Isaac put into that movie and how that was kind of going to be his redeeming movie. Okay, when I saw Terrifier 2, I probably had the reaction that no one else did at the end of it during the end credits. Not, not like the bonus end credit scene, but like watching the end credits scroll. I teared up. I teared up at the end of Terrifier 2, like to the point where a tear went down my cheek because... I saw Damien Leone. His name was on everything. It was written by, directed by, edited by, effects by, sound mixed by. And I was like, this was his baby. And I knew the first one was as well. I mean, you could see it on the screen as you're watching the movie, how much effort and love he put into that film. But then seeing that in print on the names, it made me legitimately tear up. And I just was like, he did such a good job. <laughs> like, I was Dude, like, like they would, this like, movie I... does not make anyone cry. But here I am. I'm like, oh, my God, he oh, did it. Congratulations. With, <laughs> I was beaming with local pride because those guys are all from Staten Island, which is like the, the borough that gets shit on the most in New York. Again, like Leprechaun <laughs> in space. I could understand <laughs> the criticism. But at the same time, stop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like, yeah, they the way they made that movie is insane. Like, it was just like, okay, we got to take a break for a few weeks so I could go and actually make all these, like, effects so we could go and shoot them. It's crazy how they did that. And, you know, the film, if you told me that film cost, like, a few million, I would I'd, I'd say, yeah, that makes sense. It's like, no, not even, like, I don't even think, I don't even think 250000 they spent on that movie. That is absolutely incredible. And he truly, this is how much of a sap I am. I wrote him just like a, like a, a two sentences on, on Instagram. Just like, you did such a beautiful job with the movie. Like I was just so like bursting with pride for him. Like it was just it, to see someone's vision come to fruition in such a 
just beautifully packaged way. It was Such just a like, pure way, no compromise. Yeah. It's like like you could tell like he's been wanting to make this film for a long time, and he's having a ball. It's like being indulgent at times, but it's like yeah, and in that sometimes indulgence good when not like me talking for a half hour before the interview, but I mean like in just, <laughs> but I mean like Stop. I'm kidding. <laughs> Shtick. I'm doing shtick. <laughs> I mean, like where it's like you're seeing somebody and you get this a lot with a lot of hard people. It's like this guy is having a ball with this. A hundred percent. And that that's how I felt about Jason X. It's like, man, you can tell everyone's having a good time. And just with Terrifier 2, like he made that film sing. And then when it was in the theaters and then it was just like the, the theater run kept getting extended. I was just like so happy for him. Like I can't imagine how that must have felt. He must have just been. Yeah. I was like, I, I was yelling like, go, go, go. It's like yes, when, you, when yes. your team's got the ball, it's like, go, you got it. It's like, it's crazy. Because <laughs> like nobody saw that coming. Like, yeah, when I had Michael Levy here, it was just like, he's like, did you see this coming? He's like, look, we know we had a good film, but nobody could, like, and I could tell you, Bloody Disgusting had, like, they were kind of hoodwinked by it. That is just so, I, I'm the greatest, just so That's the greatest story, like, in independent films since, like, Clerks. Like, yeah, to me, yeah. And I have I have those LED lights. We just got them uh, that go behind the TV and it mm. has a little thing on top of the TV where it can read the colors that are on your TV and then it changes the lights behind the TV so it matches it. And oh, that's so cool. If you ever get those, watch Terrifier 2 with that on because his color grading on that film is so good. It was just, it was a completely different experience watching it again like that it's a beautiful film like it's it's, it's so polished like again like if you said a few million i would believe you because it's so damn polished i've watched a lot of horror especially that i've worked on horror films that cost more that do not look like that <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that that tells you what a quality film is going to be is the performances and that's the thing about terrifier too is that top to bottom that's a really good cast like everybody's solid and what's her name sienna uh, lauren laverna i think her name is she's amazing like she's just like wow you're an instant icon there wasn't a single moment of lag time for me. And she, the the main girl did such a good job. She was, she was fucking phenomenal. And her brother was incredible too. Like everyone deserves a kiss and a hug. I don't <laughs> and I know you don't know the local flavor, but that movie is in regards to Staten Island. It is so Staten Island, that movie. <laughs> that, that, that every house when every time they went into a house i'm like oh that could be literally my cousin's house like they literally i call it my cousin did they shoot a movie in your house did they shoot the biggest <laughs> horror film of the year in your house and you didn't tell me because that's that you to your kitchen <laughs> um so uh what's that what where do you want the lenora is there anything else you want to do with the brand i well like we were saying i'd, I'd love to you know incorporate interviews into the show somehow and i know again it's like we're in cleveland but i would love to get the people who are in a lot of these movies that i talk about i would love to have them come on set and i would love to do an interview with them on set or i would love to conversely go to different conventions with the the found footage guys i think that they would do really well at a convention i think that horror movie people would totally pick up the their dvds and love that kind of stuff i'd love to do panels you know talking about different things like different horror movies or interview interviews there but this is the first thing i've worked on in a long time that i feel has legs and that i at least i gotta see where they take it 
you know, I gotta, I gotta see where these legs will walk because I, I, I believe in it. And I, I want to see, I want to see how far it can go. I was never cut out. I mean, I worked in the nine to five corporate setting for a number of years. I was doing corporate product photography. I was a terrible employee. I am not cut out. <laughs> I'm not cut out for that world at all. And uh, it did fall into my lap. And I know that that's probably very annoying for some people to hear. Like it did, did fall, it did fall into my lap. You, you didn't go through the proper yeah. channels. <laughs> you didn't talk to the family. Um, <laughs> it's something I am truly having fun with. And I want to keep it going for as long as I can. But the other mindset I have of it, which is the same mindset I had when I pivoted and started to do it on my own is, I'll try it. And if it doesn't work, that's okay too, because I will pivot and do something else. And I'm not going to end it all if, if it doesn't last forever. Like, and I think that that's a healthy way to look at it. Like something I've always wanted to do. Like I said, I was a photographer before. I've always wanted to be an on-set still photographer. That's always been a dream of mine. I don't know if you've ever seen the John Carpenter book, uh, Kim Gottlieb. No. She was John Carpenter's still photographer on a number of his movies. And the still photographer is the person who takes like yeah, the direction. Yeah during the the filming and I've I've done that a couple times and that's that's something I would love to do if this doesn't work out or I could go back to I was I was in the middle of learning um I have 150 hours of forensics training in forensics photography so I could oh wow back to that <laughs> I could finish that maybe uh, well I think we're just seeing the beginning of this show uh, absolutely because it's just like it hit so well for me it just hits so well it's like oh this is amazing i've never seen anything like this i think it's gonna get bigger uh and never know how to end these things <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say that is very kind of you to say no i, I think I, it's a great i think what you have is a great show and i think we're just seeing the beginning of what uh, lenora could do that means anything a lot you, no for real absolutely i'm not just saying that that's why i had you i said i was amazed that you said yes because i'm like somebody's got to be snatching her up for a show like she must be going on interviews constantly because with this show oh well i was just on entertainment tonight and you yeah. know uh, uh, on ET. <laughs> glad to get in on the ground floor of this new venture of yours that's lenora's midnight rental you could check it out on the found footage channel check out their other shows because i'm obsessed with them yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm always like amazed they're not millionaires yet because I just think they're brilliant. Like I don't understand it. It's such a great show. And just like the things they find like are have become like huge things like the grill skills videos uh, for <laughs> Wendy's are that's required viewing when you come in my house. Like, have you seen the grill skills video? It's like, okay, hold on. Sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Sit down. Wendy, <laughs> like I could go. I'm a psycho. I could watch. Like if I find like if I'm scrolling through YouTube and I just find like, oh, like, here's a, a training video from McDonald's from 1977. I'm like, oh, hold on. Whew. I got to get myself ready. <laughs> oh, here we go. This is, uh, is going to be great. Have you seen the documentary that was done on them, Chop and Steal? Um, no, but the Chop and Steal, I, I remember where that was happening. Like, they were posting stuff like that, and they were talking about Opie and Anthony of uh, them doing that. And that's some of the funniest shit. I can't believe they did that. The documentary is so well done and it's so endearing and it's just like such a loving uh, portrayal. Like it, ju it just like shows them like exactly how they are together and who they are. And it, it needs to get picked up by like a major streaming service. And it needs to be that documentary that everyone's sharing in the moment to everyone like, oh, you got to watch this. You got to watch this. Like the Beanie Babies one that everyone was <laughs> like talking. Yeah. 
months ago, but it's so good. It's, it's, it's genuinely really good. Even if I don't, didn't know who they were. And I, even if I had never seen their show before, and that was the first exposure to them that I saw, I would be like blown away. It's just, it's just really well done. And it's funny. It's, but that's them. <laughs> well, thank you, Laura Wimbles. I'd love to have you on again. Uh, check out Lenora's Midnight Rental on the Found Footage channel on YouTube. Uh, check, uh, check out her book, Faces of Cleveland, which we didn't get into. Uh, I'd love to talk about that next time. Uh, but uh, or we can talk about nope. it now. <laughs> uh, it's a photo book. <laughs> that is the show. It's the, that is the show. <laughs>